This episode is brought to you by Dietz and Watson. Uh, Molly, it's time we have the talk about hot dogs. Oh, oh, okay. Well, hey, (laughs) I'm looking for a hot dog that's the real deal, Matthew. Like a classic hot dog that like when you think of like the platonic ideal of a hot dog, Mm -hmm. I recommend Dietz and Watson's Dietz Dogs. Ah, well, I've heard that they're handcrafted and made using only Dietz and Watson premium meat. I can vouch for this because Dietz and Watson sent us a big box of hot dogs and other delights. And wife of the show, Lori, and I had them for dinner last night. We had uh, the classic beef Dietz dogs with uh, toasted buns with sauerkraut and pickled jalapenos and Dietz and Watson ballpark style yellow mustard. Do you think you'd recommend Dietz and Watson hot dogs for fried rice? Oh, yeah. Fried rice with some sliced hot dogs. I'm going to be doing that soon. Wife of the show, Lori, is going to be making the hot dog flour buns from Christina Cho's cookbook, Mooncakes and Milk Bread. Very excited for this. Mm, And I'm especially pleased because Dietz and Watson does things the right way. So this means like no additives, no fillers, no artificial flavors, no cutting corners. You can feel good about this stuff. Dietz and Watson. It's a family thing since 1939. Shop now at Dietz slash the right way. That's Dietz, D-I-E-T-Z, and Watson.com slash the right way. I'm Molly. And I'm Matthew. And this is Spilled Milk, the show where we cook something delicious, eat it all, and you can't have any. And this week we're talking about rice cakes. Woo, 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 woo! We came up with this idea last week. I just realized, like, I'm making it sound like this was an amazing... (laughs) This was a big idea. We had to act on it. Like, what if we devoted an entire episode to rice cakes? And we're talking about American-style puffed rice cakes. Yeah, the kind of things that come in a plastic sleeve that are shaped like frozen burger patties. They totally are. God, I love frozen burger patties when I was a kid. I'm sure I've talked about this on the show before, and this is not the frozen burger patty episode, but... There was a time like when I was a teenager and like, you know, needed to like cram large quantities of food into myself at all times. And my mom was like, I got I got a 20 pack of frozen burger patties from Costco. There's the grill right outside on the patio. When you need a snack, you figure out how to put these things together. And I did. And I would make myself a double cheeseburger as a snack. Oh, my God. I don't remember ever going through this as as a teenage, you know, assigned female at birth person, but I do remember going through this as a pregnant person. Oh, absolutely. Yes. Oh my God. It was so fun. Only my version of it was like an entire, like, you know, loaf of sandwich bread already sliced and a jar of peanut butter. And it was just endless. I didn't even toast the bread, just like smeared peanut butter on slice after slice of bread. So not rice cakes is what you're saying. So not rice cakes, but... Hold on. We're going to get back to rice cakes here. Get ready, everybody. This is where the show actually begins. When I was growing up, I remember my mom eating peanut butter on rice cakes. This was like it was a diet thing. I ate peanut butter on rice cakes growing up all the time. Oh, my God. Really? Because to me, to me, it seemed like something that my mom did because she was on a diet. Like rice cakes to me say I have bought into diet culture. Oh, absolutely. And yet, I mean, like, they were around. And so, I mean, I mean, I, you know, that definitely, like, infested my house as well. But, you know, these rice cakes are around and they are pretty tasty. Like, are they a substantial <laughs> snack? Not really. It's true. They are pretty tasty. Like, more than you would expect. Yeah. So, I haven't bought these in a while, but I have been snacking on them pretty satisfiedly. 
probably not a word. <laughs> anyway, okay, wait. So let, wait, let's go. Let's go down memory lane. I mean, we already just sort of did, but. So when you had these as a kid, were they the salted kind? Did they even make the salted kind back then? Well, I think they were lightly salted. Were okay. they? I don't. I don't think of them as being unsalted, but I don't know. It's possible. You know what? What's always bothered me about rice cakes? It sounds like I'm just oh. shitting on rice cakes, but but I do actually enjoy eating. No, what's them. always bothered you about rice cakes? It's time. Like, well, I really need them to be unbroken. Like when I take them out of the packaging, oh, like I the want Laura them- Hillen brand book. <laughs> Is there a book called Unbroken? I think so. Anyway, I want them to be whole and I want them to have enough flat surface to smear peanut butter on. Like, you know how one side is often like flatter than the other? The other oh, one is absolutely. like, like it's like the surface why. of the moon. Oh, God. OK, great. So wait, so does that mean you spread the peanut butter on the on the bottom of the rice cake? I Because I think the- of the flat one as being the bottom. No, I don't think rice cakes have a top or a bottom. But when they come out of the package, like the, the the moon crater side is always on top. Well, I don't care which one's on top when they come out of the package. I think maybe I lied because, OK, I'm going to we're going to be opening some rice cake packages okay. here. Okay. At least I am. Let's get down to like what are rice cakes? Because you've implied that like maybe in their production, there's a top and a bottom. Yeah, there is. So okay. rice cakes are literally so we, we this grew out of the uh, this is a spinoff episode of the of the puffed snacks, a.k.a. pop chips episode that we did last week. Is that right? Mm-hmm. That's correct. And we learned on that that uh, pop chips were invented when some guy bought a some business guy bought a rice cake factory and like put potatoes in the machines to see what would happen. Something like that. Does that sound right? Uh, so, yes. Yes. Okay. I mean, even if not, let's just pretend that's what let's, I, I, I've yeah. already blanked out on what happened last week. There was a lot of crunching, and there's going to be a lot of crunching again this week. Mm-hmm. Possibly more. Possibly more. So the way they're made is you soak some rice, uh, you put it into like a round metal depression, like like a, uh, you know, you, you go to YouTube and look up, you know, how a are rice cakes metal made. metal depression? Is it like a crater? It's or like is it a, a crater. Or is it a cylinder? It's a cylinder. <laughs> But but like a you know a, a, a like a tuna can shaped <laughs> cylinder kind of. Okay, I wouldn't right? call that a depression. Yeah. I, I would call that a a, a a divot. A divot. I was looking for divot, okay. but but a divot implies something that happened like unfortunately, right? Yeah, like a a little chunk of grass that's been pulled up. Yeah, let's, like when we, let's when you and I go divots. golfing as as we've been doing throughout the pandemic. <laughs> Um, you know, you 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 swing your 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 niblick or whatever, and you you like hit a divot. Niblick? <laughs> I think that's a golf thing. I don't know. <laughs> if it is really, I yeah, would be I think, so I think excited. Niblick is really a golf thing. Oh my god! Okay, wait, but hold on. A, a round metal depression. I'm right. Still so gonna... that you put you put soaked rice in there, like so, and there's a bunch of them. It's like they're made by by big industrial machines. Okay. Okay. So so you've got like a little like tuna can shaped depression, like in in like a metal mold. Whenever I go through a depression, it is totally tuna can shaped. Yep. <laughs> Just popping one can of tuna after another. <laughs> okay. Go on. You put soaked rice in there, then a heated cylinder is placed on top to pressurize it. 
and then it, it's heated under under high pressure and then suddenly depressurized, which causes the rice to pop and, quote, interweave. And there are no, like, added ingredients holding the rice grains together. I thought there was going to be, like, a syrup or, or a, you know, industrial adhesive or something. But it's just, like, the the molecules of the rice grains literally intertwine when it puffs. Oh, that is that's actually really interesting. I'm yeah, not... and you can see this in a in many YouTube videos. Oh, okay. I love the phrase "pop and interweave." It seems like this is like the next step from "pop and lock." Yes, exactly. Yeah, popping and locking—that new dance craze that the kids just came up with. <laughs> uh, yes, now they're popping and interweaving. So, so to pop and interweave, you like put a bunch of kids into a mosh pit. Okay. Right? And okay. then you like suddenly reduce the pressure and they become permanently <laughs> bonded together. <laughs> oh, man, I can't wait till post pandemic time so I can go pop and interweave at, at I, a yeah, show. Me too. Oh, God, I've been so <laughs> missing out on the on the uh, casual popping and interweaving. <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember casual interweaving? God, yeah. it was so dangerous and so fun. I know. Okay, so uh, rice cakes can be made with white or brown rice, but and I said we were going to try both, or at least I was. But then when I looked, it I realized that both of the plain rice cakes I bought were made with brown rice. So oh. I think that may be like the standard. Okay, interesting. And I also like in one of the videos I watched, it showed them being like sprayed with a, th a syrup to give them a sheen, which I think does happen for some like sweetened rice cakes, but the plain ones are not sprayed with syrup. They're literally just made with brown rice and salt. Wow. Yeah, it's pretty okay. cool. Okay. I mean, the, this is a, this is a really fascinating industrial product. Like, yeah. And there also are videos about like, you can make rice cakes at home, but like you won't. No. Why would I bother? You you have to I mean for you need a metal depression first of all yeah I think like a like a metal depression sounds like a sad robot that would appear like in a Radiohead song I think it sounds like well I was thinking more like hair metal yeah no you're right as I was saying it I, I yeah. had the same thing like like what if what if like Motley Crue did a whole album of sad songs <laughs> called Metal Depression called Metal Depression oh my god kind or like of, Metallica well I feel like Metallica is a metal depression band. Metallica is a metal depression. And they're also some kind of monster. <laughs> okay, great. Um, okay, so uh, let's talk about the history of puffed rice cakes, which does not go back very far. Should we eat rice cakes while we do this? Sure. Like, uh, oh, you got some good stuff there. I like I that. Did. I did. I, well, I, I think I got the same ones you did, only I only got three. Did you get four? I got four, yeah. So I got, uh, oh, by the way, Molly and I are on camera for the first time in a while because, like, Molly had, like, shitty internet for a while and we were using some weird software that didn't have a camera. But now, like, we're back. We're, we're back to 2020. <laughs> And we're so distracted, too. We're so distracted. Like, Molly has, like, so much hair since last time. <laughs> I've, I've uh, grown a I lot of so hair. so much less hair <laughs> than last time. <laughs> um, and I'm holding up some rice cakes is the point I was making. So, yeah, I've got the, the Quaker lightly salted. I've got the Lundberg organic. Uh, and then I've got – I did – I couldn't find the Quaker white cheddar, but I got the Simple Truth organic store brand white cheddar. You got the Quaker white cheddar. I did. So where where should we start? Let's let's cheese plate this, and then I'll go into the history while we crunch. So wait, are the Quaker lightly salted? This seems to me that this should be like this is the mild cheese. Yes, on the oh, cheese plate. No question. This, right? I think it's going to be easy to cheese plate. Okay, wait. Hold, oh, this oh, is made shit. with. So you're right. This is made with brown rice too. Oh, this is crumbling badly. My God, my closet is oh, going to be bad. destroyed by this. 
Something something went wrong here at the at the at the plant. Do you think something actually went wrong in the grocery handling? I think something went wrong in the grocery handling. <laughs> yeah, actually. Uh, now come to think of it, like I'm the one who put them in in like a cart and and rolled them up the hill over many bumpy sidewalks. Do you guys have a like a grocery like a oh like we a do caddy? like classic like granny cart? Yeah. Oh my god, that's so great. Yeah, because we we do grocery pickup like twice a week and and uh, bring it home in our cart. I did grocery pickup yesterday to get these. I went to Central Market in Shoreline. And um, wow, their like curbside pickup situation was really awesome. Yeah, it's good. Uh, like I just got so many crumbs, but I laid a towel down on my bed in preparation for this episode, which I think may have saved my marriage. I think I might I might not have to do that Oprah interview now. My rice cakes were well handled. Okay, if I may say so. Yeah. Um, wow, this is a really beautiful rice cake. I think I could spread peanut butter on either side of it. That's interesting. Like, you're absolutely right. Like, the Quake, these Quaker ones seem like the, the two sides seem much more similar than I remember. Hmm. You know what I'm noticing with this? So, the individual puffs of rice seem extremely thoroughly interwoven. Yeah. Like, such that I cannot... It, it's created sort of an overall, I want to say mushy, but crunchy texture. Do you know what I mean? Right. I do Whereas know what I think, you mean. I think we're going to find with the Lundberg Family Farms brand that the the kernels are more distinguishable. Yes, I am really surprised how different the Quaker and Lundberg rice cakes are. I thought they were going to be exactly the same. This is riveting information. Okay, so let's talk about the history of rice cakes. So This is fine. I mean, I don't really want to keep eating it. I don't it, think that the Quaker one is very good. I think it's undersalted and yeah. kind of mushy. Yeah. Okay. Okay. All right, go on. So uh, some of this information comes from an article that we'll link to an eater called What Happened to Quaker Rice Cakes by Brenna Houck. The answer to what happened to Quaker rice cakes is like it's not like a fad diet food anymore, so they don't sell, sell as many of them anymore, but they're still around. So here's a quote from the article. I can't remember the first time I held one, but I also can't remember a time before I did. Palm-sized discs, they're the same weight as styrofoam with a scant sprinkle of flavor crystals, salt, or maybe cinnamon dusting the top and coating the crevices between each grain of puffy rice. So puffed rice predates industrialization and probably is something people have been doing since antiquity. Really? Yeah, because like like you can you can like pop rice kind of like popcorn, like um, you know, just when it's when it's roasted. Mm-hmm. Like if the if the rice is a little moist and uh and you roast brown rice, like some of it will puff. Mm-hmm. Um and uh, people probably, you know, thousands of years ago figured that out and were like, oh this is good. Like I'm gonna like puff rice on purpose. But industrial puffed rice dates to like the beginning of the twentieth century. This is, I mean, this is very logical and also somehow I'm still surprised. Yeah, it is attributed to a botanist named Alexander P. Anderson, who allegedly discovered it in 1901 and sold the process to Quaker in 1904. This is, uh, well, I, uh, you phrased it here on the agenda as um, American industrial puffed rice is attributed to Alexander P. Anderson. But I was going to say, like, I wonder who the original creator of puffed rice is. Like, I do mean, you think I guess like, probably some like, some, like uh, caveman cave person. Yeah. Okay. All right. Just wanted to give credit where it's due, man. The original Puff Daddy, if you will. Yes. Okay. Anders' quote from Wikipedia, Anderson took a 4 by 36 inch gas pipe and sealed it with pipe heads on each end, one removable. He placed raw rice inside and rotated the cylinder while heating it. When a gauge showed what he felt was enough pressure, Anderson used a sledgehammer to knock loose the removable head. A shower of puffed rice burst from the device. 
after reading this, I was like, I want to see like how long before this guy died in a you know gender reveal party rice puffer accident. <laughs> he didn't. He lived to like 84 or something. I cannot wow. believe this guy survived these experiments. Like there were so many things just in that one like 10 minute experiment that should have killed him. So uh, Quaker Quaker used the process uh, for various cereals and other products, sometimes advertising them as food shot from a gun. What? Yes. For example, there's a 1940s ad that I found. Here comes Quaker with a bang, bang. Wheat shot from guns is the most tempting breakfast grain you ever ate. Wait, is that real? It's absolutely real. Here comes Quaker with a bang, bang. Quaker, (laughs) Quaker is going to shoot you in the face. (laughs) Oh, my God. Wait a minute. Hold on, though. I'm trying to figure this out. So, so the what we're talking about here is like the the puffed grain. We're not talking about the wheat interweaving, like the popping right. and so interweaving. I think like uh, you know, honey smacks. Yes, I that's never a liked puffed those. rice cereal. So like individual grains of puffed rice have been around since the early twentieth century. Well, probably before that, but like produced like you know with with industrial you know capacity and precision. Okay, wheat. Can I eat? Shot can I eat this guns. rice cake? Yeah, which one are you eating? Mm. Oh, boy. (laughs) It's the Lundberg. Is it better? It's way better, yeah. Okay. Rice cakes hit the market in the mid-80s and didn't really become huge until the late 80s, which is later than I would have guessed. Okay. I have liberated my Lundberg uh, lightly (laughs) salted brown rice cake from No, I can see. Now that we're on camera, I can see you liberating your Lundberg. Um, one thing that I do want to say is that the Quaker packaging, I think, is a little bit better in that the stack of rice cakes is divided into two plastic sleeves. Yeah. Whereas the Lundberg is just in one sleeve. And if there's one thing that I don't want, it's a stale rice cake. So True. So you now got that a I've opened these, sleeve. Yeah, I got to eat this stuff fast now that I've opened it. Hold on. Okay. Start. You can start now. Oh, my God. This is so much better. It's so much better. It's crispier. It's like more toasted somehow. It's got a little more salt, I think. I would have thought if I opened this without tasting the Quaker, I would have thought it's just a little bit stale. But no, I'm that's just what that's... rice cakes are like, I think. Yeah, it's just the um, the way that like the the kernels kind of crackle between your teeth. And it's that's what I want, I think. That's what I want. I want that slightly stale texture as opposed to yep. a mushy, crunchy texture. Right. So, all right. Yeah, we've, we've learned a lot so far. So, like, you know, when you when you go, like, to, to pick up a bunch of rice cakes, as you probably do because mm-hmm. this is 1989, mm-hmm. go Lundberg, I guess. So, rice cakes hit the market in the mid to late 80s. Uh, here's an article from Advertising Age in May 1986. Quote, Quaker Oats Company is now in a position to dominate the small, obscure rice cake market, thanks to serious efforts in that area. Rice cake sales hit only $30 million in 1985, but that figure could double by the end of 1986 as grocery store distribution increases. Also spurring sales will be Quaker's $10 million investment in the national introduction of its rice cakes. Its rice cake line, acquired from Ardner Organics in 1985 holds a 40% share of the market, but H.J. Hines Company holds the remaining 60%. Hold on, Matthew. I think we just lost all our listeners. Yeah, I just read this quote is way, way too long. Okay, let's let's cut to the cut to the punchline here. Okay. Food okay. industry analysts believe the success of rice cakes will depend upon their taste. Oh, oh, Food really? industry analysts, bold. Wow. And also, I, also, I don't think that's correct at all. 
Do you think that the success of rice cakes depends upon their calorie content? Yeah, I think so. Are there other foods whose success depends upon? I mean, I guess like every diet food ever. Yeah, like snack wells. Remember snack wells? Oh my God. Do snack wells still exist? I don't know if they do. I, I, I'm going to guess probably they do, and they're down to like, you know, one cookie box in the cookie aisle. That's, yeah. that's just a guess. But one thing that I thought was kind of interesting as I was reading up on this is that a lot of people writing about this seem to have forgotten that like low fat and low carb were two separate diet trends like many years apart and kind of collapsed them into one thing in their memory, which makes sense. But I'm old enough to remember that that's not what happened. Oh, yes. Yeah, it was definitely low fat in the beginning and low carb. Nobody thought about that. Right. And so these like rice cakes are, are like symbolic, emblematic even of like the low fat, low fat diet era. Right. OK. How do you think these things entered your childhood household? Like, did Judy Amster buy these out of a yes. moment of like di- like diet? Oh, yeah, I think so. That Like these are a snack that's good for you. OK. Did you ever reach for them plain or did you only eat them with peanut butter? Mm, I definitely preferred them with peanut butter, but I think I would snack on them plain as okay. a kid. Just, just okay. pure convenience. Interesting. I don't think June has ever had one of these, uh, which seems right. I mean, now yeah. I, I think this is a very marginal, um, like a, a very sort of bygone era kind of product. Like a uh, teenager of the show December grabbed one uh, the other day, like as a convenient snack and ate half of it and was like, should I put this leftover rice cake half back in the bag? And we're like, no, <laughs> that's not Did how they even works. put peanut butter on it, though. That's, no. OK, I was going to say, I think I think if they had put peanut butter on it, they might have <laughs> had then a different... put it back in the bag. <laughs> no, no, no. But I mean, in terms of wanting to finish the whole thing, I think the teenager of the show December might have finished it. If I like went for the rice cake bag and my child had put a half peanut buttered <laughs> rice cake back in the bag, I'd be like, oh shit, my kid is going to be a serial killer. Like, yes. like I blew it. There's nothing I can do. Like, yes. Not that it's my fault if my kid becomes a serial killer, but still that would be upsetting. I love how we've turned this into a sociology podcast where we're going to get to the bottom of like the signs that your kid is going to be a serial killer and whose fault it is. I think we just like answered those questions. The number one sign is is putting back a, but- a peanut buttered rice cake. And no, it's not your fault. <laughs> Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Disney Plus and Hulu are better together in the Disney bundle with new movies and series. On Disney Plus, experience the full Taylor Swift The Eras Tour, Taylor's version, with new main show performances and acoustic collection. On Hulu, follow the fantastical evolution of Bella Baxter, played by Emma Stone in the award-winning film Poor Things. All of these and more streaming this month. Get the Disney Bundle with Disney Plus and Hulu. Terms apply. See DisneyBundle.com for details. Matthew, is Quaker still the leading brand for rice cakes? Yeah, Quaker, I think, is still the leading brand for rice cakes, and they make all of their rice cakes at a factory in Columbia, Missouri. Huh. Okay. How long did these, did this product like have its heyday? So 
by 1995, they were they were still like a huge snack. Which again, this whole thing happened like later than I remembered. Like I I would have guessed that like rice cakes were already big by 1982. No, hmm. not so. so. Really, 1985 to 95. Yeah, and then by the late 90s, like, people had started to move on to other things, and uh, the low-carb fad really hit around 2003, and, like, sales really dropped off. And uh, so they came back with uh, snack-sized rice cakes marketed in, like, chip bags, and I got a couple of those. Um, and those seem to be now more widely available than, like, the classic hockey puck ones, because it used to be... I remember, like, in my, like, adult grocery shopping lifetime, there would be, like, a whole rice cake section with the with the tall bags, just, like, dozens of different varieties and brands. And now, like, it, that's mostly migrated over to, like, the healthy chip section. I'm fascinated by the thought of, like, chip-sized rice cakes because, for me, the entire reason for eating a rice cake— Okay, hold on, Matthew. Hold your horses— the entire reason for eating a rice cake is to put peanut butter on it, to like get peanut butter from the jar to your mouth. I, and so I think like people got want little ones, more convenient snacks than that these days, though. Uh, it, but like, are, are they are they using these? Are they dipping these things? Are they what? What do you do? Are are these all flavored? The ones the ones in bags, I think, are are mostly, if not all, flavored. And like I, I'm like an, an on the go business person. Like I don't have time to stop and spread peanut butter on things the way I used to. Like I mean, I have people for that, of course. But, but like I need, I need a portable snack that's going to satisfy me uh, with with a crunch, crunchy texture, and uh, and some sort of flavor powder. And that's why I bought Simple Truth Organic Creamy Ranch with other natural flavors, mini rice cakes made with rice and corn. Okay, talk for a minute about these while I open up my Quaker white cheddar full-size rice cakes. Okay, I think these are very good. Like, I've been snacking the shit out of these. How would you compare them to, like, the like a potato, like a, like a pop chip type thing? Um, I think they're better because the pop chips have, like, sort of like an artificial potato flavor to them. That, and these, these, like, really work for me all around. But, like... The, the reason the reason these are good is because like they put on tons of ranch powder and it's a good ranch powder with like lots of salt and lots of buttermilk powder, which I think are the key things. All right. Now I'm eating a Quaker rice cake, the white cheddar mm -hmm. kind. I noticed that it is um kind of freckled. I don't know if you can see that there are like yellow splotches in it. Yeah, I can see the splotches. I'm kind of like like as though it's like got butter buds in it or something. But hang on. I'm trying to figure right. out what's going on here. Mm. Doesn't really taste like white cheddar, but it tastes good in that like um powdery dairy mm -hmm. facsimile kind of way. Yeah, I do remember having the white cheddar ones before, and I think I, I have I got the chip style white cheddar ones, the store brand Simple Truth Organic. You know, this I, reminds I'm... me. This reminds me of of Pirate's Booty. This is like the mm -hmm. flavor of Pirate's Booty in the shape of a cake. Yeah, I think Pirate's Booty probably also like cannibalized part of the rice cake market. Mm, good point. Mm -hmm. oh, this is tasty. I like this. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Matthew, wait a minute. <clears throat> can we pause on the rice cakes for just a second and return to try. last week's pop chips? Because So we record on Monday mornings, generally. Yeah. I'm telling you this, because the listener already knows, obviously. Oh, right, right, right. Oh, yeah. yeah. You're, this is your hint. <laughs> like, you know, don't, don't forget yeah. next, week's, next week's taping. 
No. This is the first time I've showed up in six weeks. So we usually record on Monday mornings. Monday evenings, I teach a class on Zoom. And I usually, like, when my class takes a little break midway through, I usually go get myself a little bowl of chips to quickly inhale on our break or whatever. Of course. So last Monday, after eating pop chips with you in the morning, that evening I got myself a bowl of pop chips. And I was like, I'm going to see how how this feels to have as like a legit snack. And I couldn't even finish the bowl. And we're talking like a, a little bowl. Okay. I was just like, I was like, what? I wound up dumping them all in the yard waste container. Yeah. Uh, we like, how did we do on the pop chips? We ate neither, neither none nor all of them. Neither none nor the all. The only thing I've saved are the um, the Lay's poppables, the ones that are like, um, yeah. you know, um, I I ate quite a few chips. of the uh, white cheddar popcorners. I thought those were pretty good, but then I didn't finish the bag. Like, when have I ever not finished a bag of chips? You're right. Yeah. They're not very good. Yeah, it was weird. It also just felt so processed, and I'm aware that that is like my um, my snobby mind yeah. but uh still anyway there's my there's them, my pop chips update when you said you wanted to see if they were a legit snack that uh there's an episode of the good place uh where eleanor shellstrop uh played by Kristen bell describes herself as a legit snack which is very funny that's delightful okay what else do we need to know oh uh last thing perhaps about uh, rice cakes is quaker and lundberg have made dozens of rice cake flavors and i started to make a quiz but like my wacky ones really uh, stuck out too much, but here's a few that uh, that are available or were. Coconut Sprinkle, which is part of the Lundberg Thin Stackers series. Mm. Butter Popcorn. Not buttered popcorn, but butter popcorn. Okay. <laughs> tamari with Seaweed, which I misspelled <laughs> on the agenda as Tamari with Seaweek, which is like Shark Week. Uh, cinnamon Toast and Everything. <laughs> wow, Not that everything was a, bagel, but just, just everything. everything. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder what kind of stuff they cram into the rice cake. The everything one. Um, wife of the show, Lori, and I went to uh, did a quick Trader Joe's run yesterday, and uh, we were talking on the on the way back about uh, Trader Joe's, uh, how many different trail mixes they sell. That I was speculating, not having gone into the store, that maybe like, uh, you know, due due to like, um, uh, you know, pandemic supply chain issues, uh, they haven't been able to to uh, sell all of their regular. Wow, uh, the the setup for this joke is taking way too long. I can hear it too. Anyway, <laughs> the joke was that they were just gonna like make like one trail mix at any given time based on like which trail mix components they had available in the category and just call it like this is the shit you get trail mix <laughs> so it's gonna be like like a piece of peanut brittle and like three of those uh, caramel chips that no one really likes and and like two different kinds of peanuts that was a really good story it was a great story yeah let, you know, let me let me tell you some, about some other things we talked about on the way back from trader joe's your typo where you turned seaweed into seaweed reminds me have you watched the octopus teacher my no, octopus what's that? teacher it's on Netflix. Uh, Matthew, I'm like the last person to watch this. No, actually, you're no, the you're last not. person to watch I this. Am. So it's on Netflix, and I've only watched half of it because it was my kid's bedtime. Is this like a thing with like tentacle sex? No, there's no. Okay. There's. I haven't gotten to any sex part yet. Because I feel like if I wanted to write like a like an erotic octopus story, I would call it my octopus teacher. I mean, I'm not <laughs> saying I want to write an a erotic octopus story. I'm saying I need to write an, an erotic octopus story. Please oh. continue. 
I can't wait to read it. Please um, send me the Google Doc when when you're ready for editing. What do you think of the of the title Eroctopus? <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> anyway, yeah, I was just gonna say it's like a tender, loving Shark Week is my oh. octopus teacher. No, but really, it's it's quite delightful. If you are someone who loves nature documentaries, if you need something that feels good, I mean, that's not Eroctopus. Mm-hmm. <laughs> not feels it doesn't good feel that, that, way. that good, but it feels pretty good. It feels pretty good. It, yeah, a number of my students had told me to watch my octopus teacher. I think they, you know, obviously they think of me as, as their octopus teacher. Of course, yes. Yeah. But anyway, it's really good, Matthew, and, and I couldn't pass up the opportunity to link it to your typo of Sea Week. No, that totally makes sense. Do they think of you as, as their octopus teacher because you turned on an octopus Zoom filter and couldn't figure out how to turn it off? No. Okay. Uh, <laughs> so that's a great segue to uh, our uh, most popular segment, Cute Animals You Need to Know. Oh, I thought you by were going to say by that. By the way, there's no mail this week. Uh, so for <laughs> spilled mail, just like someone, someone send us an email. Contact Please. at spilledmilkpodcast.com. Send us something. Yeah. Okay, uh, Cute Animals. So uh, since giant otters were so polarizing, I am curious to see what people think of other giant animals. And so this week I give you Cocoa Puff, a Flemish giant rabbit. Mm-hmm. And this is a domesticated rabbit. And uh, it's, a, it's the largest domesticated rabbit. It's like the size of oh a medium-sized dog, I guess. Maybe like a small-ish dog. I'm looking at the video that you linked to of, of Cocoa Puff, the Flemish giant rabbit, with its, uh, with its human children who it hangs out with. I want this rabbit. Oh, yeah. This rabbit is, is a delight. The, the females have a pronounced dewlap, which is like the, the, the flap of fat under, under the chin, which is adorable. And you can like rub it and scratch it. And yeah. I was just thinking about how, how much you, you really leaned into rubbing and scratching the dew flap. Yeah, it's a dewlap, but yes. <laughs> Go on. <laughs> Um, the thing, the thing I've been noticing, like, like as I as I get into uh, more and as, as YouTube has realized that, that, like everyone else in the world, the thing I want to watch is uh, cute animal videos. Like when the gist is like, this is the cute animal that is also our pet, and uh, we're appearing in like a three minute segment about like us and our and our giant rabbit or other weird pet. There's this underlying tone of like the family is trying to pretend that they're normal. Yeah. Which I enjoy very much. Like, uh-huh. you know, we're we're just like you. We just have our pet. It just happens to be like an 80 pound rabbit. Um, <laughs> and, and like, but you can tell that they're not really normal. And I don't I don't mean that like like in a judgmental way. I just think like the line they're trying the tightrope they're trying to walk there is very entertaining. I love this. Um, I, by the way, the whole time you've been talking, I'm still watching the Cocoa Puff video because it goes on and on and on and on. Oh, yeah, it's it's great. Oh, uh, my so we'll God. link to that in the show notes, uh, Wait, which uh, you can find in your podcast player. Yes, Molly, I have one thing there. to say. Uh, so the Flemish giant rabbit was suggested by listener Casey. Thank you, oh. listener Casey. Thank you, listener Casey. Listener Casey has a rabbit that is, I believe, half Flemish giant. So oh. um, so let's all so go visit kind of listener a, Casey. Yeah, okay. 
Listener Casey will be there shortly. Okay. The, the CDC released new guidance today that says uh, we can come to your house and pet your rabbit. Okay. Yeah. Rabbits don't transfer COVID. Nope. <laughs> That's right. I, so this will be fine. June and I uh, saw a billboard the other day that was a, a very large photo of, um, of a, a man and a dog and they were okay. like snuggling and the, you know, the, the words on the billboard were something like dogs can't spread covid or something like that do and we, do we know that for sure well i you know june was like what do you what do they mean dogs can't spread covid and i was like well in theory the virus could like live on their coat for a little while if you like coughed on them but the but you virus, shouldn't cough on your dog but you shouldn't Even i know that and i don't have a dog um, well, what if I coughed on my hand, then I pet somebody mm. else's dog and left my COVID germs on their dog and then they pet the dog and then licked their hand? I mean, I think dogs can transfer COVID. Yeah. So you really debunked that billboard. <laughs> anyway, so there you go. That was my story. All right. So um, I have important news about the quilting segment, which is that I came up. I know we stopped doing the quilting segment like three, four weeks ago, but <laughs> okay. I came up with a name for it. So, Abby, can you go back and edit this back into every episode? <laughs> no, not really. But uh, the name of the quilting segment should have been Calling It Quilts. God, that's great. And and so what it's about is is like whether or not I should machine wash my new quilt, right? Right, because people have very strong opinions on this in the sense that we've gotten no less than two emails, one from someone saying do not machine wash the quilt and another person saying to machine wash the quilt on a gentle cycle. I okay. think this rift is going to uh, gonna... split our audience. I, I don't I don't think we're going to come back from this uh what do they call it like in a religion when like it breaks into two religions? I know there's a good word for this. A schism. Schism. Thank you. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, well, I have a little bit of an update on, on calling it quilts. Oh, great. Um, right now, so I, I've been sleeping with my quilt uh, on top of, of our comforter. Oh, I've It'll... been sleeping with an octopus. <laughs> anyway, how, uh, how erotic. <laughs> I, tr I tried. Thank anyway, you. I, I really appreciate that. But um, during the day when I am not in the bed <clears throat> and when the bed is made. I, <laughs> you I, sound like a robot that just learned English. <laughs> when I am not in the bed. No, I fold up the quilt and like put it somewhere where the dog can't lie on it. Mm -hmm. um, that makes because sense. I, I, I still haven't washed it. Uh, and I'm trying to keep it clean as long as possible so that I can, you know, not either destroy or not destroy my quilt, depending upon which side of the schism you're on. Anyway, uh, what I wanted to say is that today when I was setting up the studio in my closet, I grabbed my folded up quilt and that is what I've used as some soundproofing in the studio today. Wow. So we're hearing you're, or not you're hearing, hearing the my quilt, quilt right now. You are. I like it. Yeah, I thought so. Okay. You know what's going on in my house? Like this this is about a cute animal, but it's also kind of sad. Like Mimi, Mimi the cat has had to wear a cone for several weeks and just got the cone off and is doing okay. But the thing is that I didn't realize is that it's uh, winter time. I did realize that. Um, and uh, that's the time when cats like grow the most fur and shed the most. And if a cat can't groom its own fur because it's wearing a cone, it will leave like huge balls of tufts and uh, sheets of fur on every surface. Oh, my God. 
And this wow. is a short-haired cat. So between between what your cat is doing and what you're doing with the rice cakes, your house is a disaster right now. It's a disaster right now, but the thing is, um, like, I, I've got one thing I've gotten really into during pandemic is uh, enjoying the process of emptying out the dust thingy on the vacuum. And mm. so I'm really looking forward to like next this week's vacuum. This is super exciting. Yeah. Okay. Maybe we should do a, a, a segment about vacuuming. Okay. How about now? But wow. Our segment now where we wow. talk about stuff we're into this week. Can I go first this time? Sure, yeah, you go All first. All right, so uh, I've been listening to the Food Truck Scholar podcast hosted by Ariel Smith, and it is really a podcast for food truck operators. So it talks about, like, uh, you know, operators themselves and, like, food truck historians, regulators, like, sometimes people who like to eat at food trucks, but, like, everyone involved in the food truck industry. But, like, if you love food trucks and you miss food trucks, like, this is a wonderfully produced show. Um, Ariel Smith is a great host, gets really cool guests, and, like, I am learning so much about food trucks that I just never really thought about before. So it's a real, like, behind-the-scenes look. I love the phrase that you wrote on the agenda. This is a podcast for food truck operators. This is what I love about the world of podcasting. Yes. That there is truly room for every kind of podcast. Yeah, that, that's true. So no, but I genuinely recommend this show. Like if you if you like food trucks, I think you are going to enjoy this show. Matthew, I have to yes. tell you. So I, I had a different now, but wow, that I was going to do this morning. And as I was like washing my face... I realized, so last week in Now But Wow, I talked about how excited I was that finally my hold uh, through the library had just come, like it was my turn to read uh, The Book of Delights by Ross Gay. Remember I mentioned this last week? I do remember that. And how excited I I was. Have you gotten it yet? I've not gotten it yet. I think it says uh, estimated time like nine weeks. Okay. So now you see why I was excited, right? Yeah, absolutely. I'm now like halfway through it. And I was going to talk about something else this morning, but I realized while I was washing my face that last night I dreamed like thinking about that book. So um, I just had to share that this book is so good that like it's showing up like in my dreams, like I'm I'm unpacking it in my dreams. So if you listener have not already put a hold on Ross Gay's The Book of Delights through your library, well, either buy a copy or get on hold. Yeah, you could also like buy the book. You could also buy the book. I mean, the truth is I'm going to go out and buy the book now. Yeah. So uh, sorry, I'm doing two weeks in a row of Ross Gay, The Book of Delights. No, that's that is totally legit. That's a legit snack. Um, (laughs) In the dream, like were you dreaming about the book as like a physical object or like something that happened in like that he wrote about in the book? I was like analyzing it like I like I do like I was like doing a close reading of it. As I was dreaming, like, and it wasn't that I was dreaming about doing a close reading of it. It was like in my dreams, I was unpacking the book and specifically like his writing style. Um, Wow, that is super nerdy. It's so nerdy. But anyway, I just had to share because I mean, now, but wow, what a nerd am I? Yeah. Anyway, the book is great. For your next dream, I recommend Sexy Octopus Dreams. You mean Octopus Dreams. Octopus Dreams. (laughs) Okay. <laughs> no, I I can't tell you how much I appreciate you like go, going on that Eroctopus journey with me and trying to like make that word a thing for for a few minutes because as soon as I said it I was like I wish I could take that back but no you <laughs> okay. that was so so affirming. 
That's what I am. I am here to affirm you sometimes. Yeah, and I don't mean like take it back because there's anything wrong with like like erotic octopus content. Just just like it, it's so many consonants. It's true. <laughs> Uh, All right. You can find us online at SpilledMilkPodcast.com and uh, on Reddit at Reddit.com slash R slash Everything Spilled Milk. You can uh, send us an email for Spilled Mail, our sometimes segment, uh, contact at SpilledMilkPodcast.com. Our producer is Abby Circatella, who is our octopus teacher. (laughs) Yep. And thank you, as always, for listening to Spilled Milk, the show that... That is a a podcast for food operators. (laughs) Operator, can I have a food podcast? (laughs) Operator, can I have a food? I'm Molly Weisenberg. And I'm Octopus Man. Hang on. Okay. Mine... Sorry, I know my sound quality is really bad because I'm far away from my mic. I'm picking it up again. The South Dakota Stories, Volume 7. My trip to South Dakota was the best summer ever. Now I don't need to go to Mars because I've been to the Badlands. And I caught a bigger walleye than Dad when we went to the Missouri River. Then I rode my bike through these huge rocks called needles. Ooh, I also saw my first herd of bison, even a fuzzy furry baby one. I can't wait to go back and see more. There's so much South Dakota, so little time.